This is the second installment. I was going to say another week. No, it's Thursday. <laughs> Welcome to the second installment of Two Wrongs by Danny Wyatt. We are so excited to finally have her with us. And we're going to play it in just a little bit. But before that, I did a thing on Instagram where I put up, and I rarely do this on Alexa Riley's page because I know the kind of questions I'm going to get on there and I don't want to answer and sometimes, <laughs> and sometimes it's the same ones. I feel like we just repeat ourselves a lot. Yep. I know. So I did an AMA on Alexa Riley's Instagram page, which it's, it's been a long time since I've done it. And normally I'll post it up and read me romance headquarters. And yeah, it's just, sometimes it's the same questions, especially for people that are new. They want to ask, you know, about how the podcast started or, you know, how we are as a writing duo. So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'll put it on IG and we'll see what happens. And so far, there's a couple of good ones. So All right. let's do it. Um, the first one is if you had a theme song that would play at the beginning of your day, what would it be? And I, I swear, sometimes I hear it in my head when I wake up. It's Dolly Parton's nine to five. Is there really? Like when I wake up, that's working nine to five. What a way to make a living. That's the one. That's what I hear. Uh, I what do you think mine... yours would be? Uh, good Day by Nappy Roots. That's a good one. All right. I um, think that would be a good one to wake up to because it's like positive instantly in your head. Today's going to be a good day. I, yeah, you should play that when you wake up. I actually have an alarm set on my phone. The song that is my alarm every day is Paramore's um, song. And, um, oh, my God, like, I just went blank on the name of it. Uh, hold on. I have it set on here. Let me check. But it goes off at 9 o'clock every day, and it's so I do, so I remember to take my medicine. So I remember to take it at the same time. So it's set for every mm-hmm. single day. It's called Hard Times. It starts off like the song is like, all I want is to wake up fine and tell me that I'm all right and I'm not going to die. That's how it starts off. So like, it's so funny on there when it plays because Kevin's like, oh, that's your brain medicine because that's what I have it labeled as on my alarm clock is medicine for brain at nine o'clock. And it's it's a funny song, really, if you listen to the words to it, because she's, she's basically crazy and she wants to, the world to tell her she's okay. So that's what that's my medicines theme song. <laughs> that's actually, but you know what that reminds me? There's a new song going around that reminds me of just that. I want to pull it up. So I wonder if you've heard it. I probably should have sent it. Me and you, you'll send me music. So I'm not big on music and it has mm-hmm. to be really big. Yeah. For me to hear it, or yeah. I won't know it, but there was a good one. Click it. Honest. It's been going around by Kendall Inskeep. I'll send it to you. I it is really good. Okay. I'll, I'll play it. Let me play. I can play like 10 seconds, I think, of it legally, maybe. I don't know. Oh. Yeah, I know that song. That was a run. I listened to that song. I thought mm-hmm. that was really. That's a good that's one. Really good. But mm-hmm. I also had a song the other day. I think I sent to you the Megan Myers one, mm-hmm. which a lot of people don't know. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's what's interesting when you listen to music and then you're going through different parts of your life, how the song can change. Like you relate to you in different that, ways. Yeah. Yeah. Like relate to you in different ways. And I've always listened to that song and um, thought to myself, it's called Adeline and thought she's talking to a lover. She's calling. And for some reason, cause I'd been going through a depressive part. I was like, Oh my God, what if she's talking to herself? Mm-hmm. But I just love how music can be interpreted so many different ways and so many different times of your lives or whatever. I but agree. Next question. <laughs> Why don't you write full length novels anymore? We want more of you guys. <laughs> well, it's hard, you know, especially for us to come up with a concept that is not easily solved. You know, I mean, we've said before, our heroes are perfect. It's hard to write conflict in a story when your heroes are perfect, when they do exactly what you want them to do. I think we could do it. I just don't think it's, I mean, maybe we should do one a year or something. I think we could do it make all the conflict come from the outside. But sometimes it's really hard because like you said, the heroes are all in and we Mm -hmm. don't. We never have the women chasing after men or things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. I mean, they're all in. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to write that in a full length version. But, you know, it, it's also something, too, that it takes a lot of time and attention and planning. And we just don't I don't think we function that way. Like just the, the style of writing we do. I think a lot of our no- novels that we do write could be stretched out to 30 to 40,000 words that mm-hmm. it's actually an art to be able to cut some of that stuff out and condense it down so that you don't it's more of a shot of a read that you can read in a night or mm-hmm. whatever and cutting yeah. out some of just chapters that are just hanging out friends talking because that's what mm-hmm. it is it's just that story stretched out yeah, it's got like you more meat on the bones. <laughs> a lot of stories with a lot of different little things here and there. Him having an office meeting, him doing this or that. Mm-hmm. We're just kind of washing some of that out as well, which is a craft. Yeah, it is. Which it is takes some skill which to be Mia able to give it. Best at. <laughs> to go off on a tangent she's like nope in the next chapter she like pulls it all the way around nope like, oh, we're gonna cut that out <laughs> we're not gonna I'm introduce gonna five more characters sorry mel you don't get five brothers with this one nope <laughs> snip snip she's the only child now <laughs> uh next question uh-huh. i want to become a romance writer but don't want anyone to know it's me is it doable absolutely yeah. yes you can do it it's yep it's doable if you don't have to have recognition. And I think yep. that is the hardest thing for people to not share something that you secretly want the world to acknowledge. You know what I mean? Like if like if you do something and you think it's like amazing and it's secretive, like it's really hard for people to keep that secret. Because it's like they want yeah. acknowledgement from either their, they not even acknowledgement, like they want validation from their friends yeah. or their family that they did this and they're proud of them and they're, it's amazing that they've done it and all this stuff. You have to put all that shit aside. You have to look at it like 
Do I want to be an author? Do I want to write a book? That is what you have to focus on. If you want to write a book and be famous, or you want to write a book and have your friends and family know about it, then you can't be secretive. Like that's yeah. just not how it's going to be. You know, like if that's your goal, it, you're in the wrong business. You're going to fade out. Like, you know, like if it's not, it just the depends book on your itself, personality. Yeah. You know, it's really hard for people to do that, but it is possible. There's lots of authors that do it. There's tons of authors out there that are great and you never know who they are. Yep. So, yeah. Um, how do you navigate family dynamics in writing? Um, I think we've kind of talked about that one before, but you know, with us, like we just kind of, we're open with it with our families for the most part. Yeah. Oh, I thought the question about like, how do you write family dynamics in a book? I'm like, I don't know. They're all different. It just depends on the book. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what they meant. <laughs> um, Sometimes you... they come from my own. Sometimes I'll make it out. <laughs> uh, did you dive into the erotic deep end from the beginning or was it gradual deep end? Oh, we dived in. We yeah. actually slipped Head more first out. in a shallow pool. We went straight <laughs> in. <laughs> When's the date for your next release? Soon. I don't know. We'll probably have one this week. Yeah. Actually, check. there might be one today or tomorrow. I'm just waiting check on Check back the on Instagram. <laughs> we'll both be surprised. Uh, let's see. This may sound weird, but do you like try the sex positions out to check how to write them or part two? Can you, to you can totally ignore this question. <laughs> So this is, this might sound weird, but do you like try the sex positions out on, to learn how to write them? No, no. but I have <laughs> once read a position and tried to see if it was possible. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yep. I remember reading a book where this man was fucking this girl <laughs> and he like shoved his balls inside of her too. And I was like, this isn't possible. I'm like, is it? And you can still thrust and do all this. Mm -mm. And I'm like, Rob, come mm -mm. here. We're going to see. That. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, it was based off of a porn. And in the porn, there was something similar. But, but I was wondering, maybe my husband's balls are just too perky. Or maybe <laughs> I'm just too tight. I don't know. Maybe it just depends on all this together. Oh, my God. I watched a porn But it didn't time. work for me. No, no. But I remember seeing it when the evidence was giving that it was possible. I remember seeing the evidence and thinking, well, that's porn. It's a little, little bit different there. But yeah, I remember, I remember watching a porn one time where this girl had nine strawberries shoved in her ass and they came out pristine. Damn. Pristine. And I remember thinking. You can't even get nine pristine from the bag at the store. Yep. And I was like, <laughs> when they came out of her ass, they were perfect. And I remember thinking, that is talent right there. I don't know that what she talent. did, but that's talent. All right. I've always been curious. How do book narrators get into this business slash get selected? You know, that's something I've been asked a couple of times before. I have a good friend of mine. He's a singer and he has an incredible voice. And I actually told him, I said, you need to narrate books because he's got a beautiful vibrato, like really deep voice, but smooth and sexy. And so I put him in touch with our narrator coordinator. I was like, look, you need to do this. 
I think there are like, from what she said, because I reached out before I like, you know, gave him her information or anything. And I was like, Hey, I have a friend that wants to do it. What's a good way to get into this business? And I want to say, she told me there's, um, online groups. I mean, obviously there's a Facebook group for everything, but that's a great resource. Actually. She said, this is a fantastic place to start. And she said, you get to know other narrators and you end up working together and stuff. And there's other companies that hire narrators. So, I mean, if that's really something you want to do, I mean, there are definitely resources out there to find it and do it. So, yeah. I mean, who, who knows most, a lot of authors will narrate their own stuff. So, you know, that go for it. Um, who are your auto buy authors? Is there an auto buy trope that you'll get? Um, then um, says, what do you well, have course, a favorite Lauren trip? Donner, Lauren mm-hmm. Donner is an auto buy. Aurora Rose is an auto buy. Mm-hmm. Jenica Snow is an auto buy. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, I would like to say that my auto buy is secret baby, but it's, it, it's it, so specific. My, yeah. It mm-hmm. grabs my eye. It can mm-hmm. grab my eye and then I research. So what grabs my eye Mm-hmm. is secret baby but mm-hmm. or fake relationships are mm-hmm. i think some of my favorite favorite tropes but the, i research i research books before i read them because <laughs> i don't have a lot of time to read and i'm not gonna read but there's some like the ones i list that i just kind of trust that they're gonna follow through they're gonna do you right um michelle page l christian yeah. i know they will actually send they'll tell me she'll be like this could be a trigger for you and she'll like, <laughs> it. i'm like all right i'm good mm-hmm. um i would say i have auto buys with a few not many like there's not many that i will automatically even lauren donner her um the vg the vampire lichen gargoyle series that just one wasn't yeah. my favorite of hers but I still buy them just to support them. But it's not because <laughs> I want her to write forever. I want her to be held yes. up in outback stakes for the rest of her life. Okay. <laughs> if you follow her, you know what I mean and why that's funny. But I want her to write forever. So I will always support her work, even if I don't read yeah. it. So, um, so her, but like Angela Marsons, who writes that mystery series, the Kim Stone, when I, I will pre-order and that is saying something because I never fucking pre-order a book. I will pre-order the second it goes up. I'm book 16 in the series. The second it goes up, I'm buying it. Um, and the audio, buy the ebook and audio every time. Never read the ebook. Always on the audio. Still buy it. <laughs> what about Carrick and Byrne? Oh, you know what? I didn't love her last one, but every other one I do love. So, but she like she took a big break between them, and so I kind of was like, I don't know if it was because I didn't read it like back to back. But the last one I read, I was like, it wasn't my favorite in the series. But overall, I still love the series. It just wasn't my favorite. But yeah, I mean, if she had another one in like the Highwayman series, I'd get it immediately. Um. Dang, this is hard. You know what? Allie Hazelwood has become my instant buy because she has written. So she wrote The Love Hypothesis, which was one of my favorite books last year. And it was a grumpy sunshine fake relationship. And it was also Star Wars fan fiction. And she hit every single note that I wanted in that. Oh, Mariana Zapata, another one who is like, the slowest burn, no sex. Like, I mean, it is the opposite of everything I say I want. 
I will die on this hill that she is the best romance writer, (laughs) even though she doesn't really write sex stuff, you know? God, she's so good. Marion is a pot of instant buy. But yeah, Allie Hazelwood, she has a great grumpy sunshine trope. Like she does that so fucking good. She's got those three audio books. They're out. uh, I think they're all out in the ebook now. But she did the audios first, which I love. She released all three audios before she did the ebooks, like months before. And I was like, yeah. this is great. So I got to listen to all those. And then slowly the ebooks released. And she's got a brand new book that's coming in August. I've already pre ordered for that too. Because again, it's a grumpy sunshine. And I'm like, she just does that so fantastic. So, uh, Milla Vane's another one. Her, like, A Gathering of Dragons series was so fucking good. But those are some of my favorite tropes. I would say Forced Proximity, Grumpy Sunshine, um, Dubious Consent. Yeah, those are the ones. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because saying that out loud, I realize that it's all the people that don't want to be together are forced into being together. I know. That's what I like. <laughs> Maybe that's what marriage is. <laughs> oh my God, it is. <laughs> It says, oh, will God. you ever do more physical copies of your book? That's another question. Yeah. Eventually. A couple. Yeah. yeah. Wait, I just need to put them up for sale. <laughs> yeah. Um, we do have Hot Girl Summer box, uh, books coming. Those are physical copies. Those are coming soon. Um, will you be in rare Edinburgh 2024? There was a lot of questions about book signings. No, we will not be there. We're, we're just taking a break from signings. So, Nope. <laughs> I mean, like, we've been asked, uh, like, I got emailed the other day about a signing, and I was just like, I said, for the foreseeable future, no, we're not doing them. So, yeah. Best snack right now. I missed the chat about Chex Mix and wedding cake. <laughs> oh, my God. Listen, my Chex Mix is still on point, by the way. That's an old episode. We're calling back old episodes here. What's your favorite snack right now? I've been doing the, uh, it's the Chargento cheese little boxes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They with have, the, like, the nuts have, and the cranberry and I don't stuff. do the nuts and the cranberry one. They have cheese with the tomato basil little Triscuit crackers. Oh, okay. They're really good. Yeah. And then I'm on Heath Bars. Mm-hmm. I love Heath Bars. I'm on this shit right here. I don't know if you can see. It's an industrial bag of Dove chocolate. Like I just—it's—it says you see it. It says large bag. (laughs) It's shaming me. Fuck asshole. (laughs) I love milk duds too, but I try not to buy them. No, they'll pull my fucking teeth out if I eat them. Mm -hmm. They'll pull a fucking tooth out. I know I will. I don't even know how. It'll just happen. But um, that and Cheez-Its. I don't know why I'm obsessed with Cheez-Its lately. I, that's another I one I don't like to have in the house. No, I can just eat Cheez-Its. I can uh-huh. just eat them and eat them and eat them and eat them. Yep. I'll eat a whole box and then I'm like, I never want to see these again. And then I'll buy them. And then you ever dipped it, one in ranch? No, I don't want to. I can't think about that. I don't like dipping shit in ranch. I, know. I don't like sauces. Uh, I do make this one little snack that I like too. You can find these mini saltine crackers. I don't know if you've seen the box of those. They're saltines, but they're like this big. They're like little tiny squares like that. And so I take them and I put them in a bowl and I melt some butter and I pour it over them. And then I sprinkle the ranch powder over them, stir it up real good and put it in the microwave for like a minute. 
and then they come that out all crispy good. and they're buttery and ranchy and it like almost hurts my cheeks when I eat them and they are savory and crunchy and so good so good that's so good I know that's my snack I'm lately. already hungry I haven't ate today it's uh just to note it I'm gonna make a note it is Eastern Standard Time 5:20 p.m in the evening and you have not eaten today note melissa king goes to bed at like three in the morning and wakes up at like 11. so okay, i've only been awake like 11. Oh, you've been up for seven hours is that right is that math right yeah i think that's yeah. right you've been up for like seven hours so it's almost lunchtime i don't eat oh breakfast my oh my god okay somebody said oh my god how did i not know there is a podcast <laughs> i know that was funny that one kills me. And then I was like, Mel, how long have we been doing this? How long have we been doing this podcast? Coming up on three years or four years. Sorry. Four Coming years, up on four right? Years. Yeah. That was in right. October. Years, in October. Four fucking years we've been at this. That's insane. But she did say, I didn't know you were on Spotify. So maybe that was what she didn't know that. Um, so that that could have partially been the reason when she said, I didn't know you guys were doing it maybe she didn't know that <laughs> that we're on spotify all right let's see if we have okay i don't want to answer any more of those we'll stop right there because i think the rest of them get kind of crazy <laughs> there was there was a bunch on there about uh about sex and writing and i was just like eh, i don't know if we want to do those but let's talk about danny wyatt let's go ahead and get into the do second it. installment um we've got the second installment of two wrongs that is about to start in just a second Remember to check this out. It's an ebook. It's on Amazon right now. You can go grab it. It is the first book in the Meant to Be series. Book two is out today. So One Chance is live right now. And then the third book in the series is coming July 6th. So don't forget to do that. And then go on her um, page, sign up for her newsletter on dannywhite.com. And you can get a free book, Earning Her Keep. The one that Mel was talking about was so good. Um, what's something else you recommend by Danny White? If if they're if they like this and they like this book, where should they go from yeah, here? I do want to mention something. She actually went back and recovered a bunch of books because the first covers they they were horrible. I'm not gonna lie. It was some <laughs> weird historical and just because she is an auto buy for me, I didn't care. I, I ignored yeah. the covers. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of people didn't read them because they were historical. But I think it's royally hot is what she's she's re-released them, recovered them. The first one, the royally hot is the season. The first one is called Stolen. Mm -hmm. I and I don't read historical. Like mm -hmm. I don't. They were hot. Ooh. They hit all the fucking buttons. It was more like I wouldn't call it a these men sometimes while I was royalty and they were kings mm -hmm. and whatever, act like fucking cavemen. Ooh. So now you're I just really to me. enjoyed that series and I feel like it is so underrated for her. Mm -hmm. For people who like people missed it. I feel like people it just went right past people. They were just kind of like, oh no. So stop. Like, oh. <laughs> so stop what you're doing. Yes. Go back and get it. So you know what the name of the book is? The first one is Stolen okay. from the Royally Hot. It's Kindle Unlimited. It's 99 cents. And there is it. Four books in the series each are about different couples how long are the books 
The first one, I believe, is pretty short. Let me see if it's got a page. Oh, no, it says it's 211 pages. But I don't Shit. Know it must have been good, though, if it, you flew through it and you thought it was So, short. I'm guessing, like, 2,000 locations. Mm-hmm. So, uh, mm-hmm. it's not too long. About 50,000 words. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, sometimes if you make a print copy of a book on Amazon, mm-hmm. FYI, for people, if you make a print copy and then you load an ebook, mm-hmm. it will say the page counter is higher than when it's just loaded as an ebook because it counts like the physical pages. Oh, okay. So nice. weirdly, if you can actually get a higher page count on the ebook, if there's a paperback loaded, like by like 40 pages. Oh, wow. That's a lot, especially being paid per page count in KU. <clears throat> so, mm-hmm. just oh, just a little tip. Realize. If you ever pick one, you're like, I thought this was 211, but it's 15 or 1700 locations. Mm-hmm. So, because mathematically, that should have been like 2500 locations because you're a book nerd and that's how much you read. And you can do mm-hmm. that math weirdly in your head. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's why. That's what's happening. Your math isn't wrong. Yeah. <laughs> All, All right. right. Listen to the- yeah, let's do it. Listen to the second installment of Two Wrongs. We'll see you guys on the other side. Six. Natalie. I make my way through my office, hands out like a mummy, fumbling for the Keurig. And once I manage to get my first sip of Irish cream dark roast, the memories of last night start to become a little clearer. The impossibly sexy, tall, dark drink of man meat from last night has me metaphorically standing on my head. How could me, Miss Magic Wand and no results, have an orgasm from the flick of a finger and the brush of his lips on my ear? I don't know. But the wetness that's still steaming between my thighs proves that it did, and he's the first to ever have that honor, and I don't even know his name. I shake off the thoughts and get settled in the conference room. Jamie, my coworker and partner for this consulting gig, is flicking through the PowerPoint, making sure there are no glitches before we get started. I riffle through the forms in front of me to get my bearings. Today, it's an intensive anger management session for a partner of a huge law firm, a fancy schmancy divorce lawyer. God, I hate divorce lawyers. And it looks like he's going to need a full-on chill-out sesh, or else. HR DEFCON 1 emergency, basically. The plan is that Jamie will do the presentation while I observe. Then I do the post-session eval and either sign off on the employee for HR or give them my report and recommendations. So when it comes right down to it, this guy's career is in the palm of my hand. Which is wild. The name of the company I work for is Two Wrongs Anger Management. Catchy, sure, but effective, I'm not sure. Still though, it pays the bills, but my secret desire to turn my love of fine food into my profession is ever present. Nat, Jamie points toward the screen. You ready? You have your forms, checklist, evaluation docs? Yeah, yeah, I answer, fumbling in my laptop bag and tugging out a folder spilling the pages all over the table in front of me. I just have to, girl, he says with a flick of his hair and a get-it-together tisk sound. You are a hot mess, you know that? I'm a hot something, that's for sure. I stall, the click of the doorknob drawing my attention, then I finish quickly as our client comes in the room behind me. 
Even better, I lost my wallet last night. Luckily, I have my passport for the flight. I turn, looking down, trying not to let my deep abiding hatred for divorce lawyers get the best of me. And the first thing I see are the shoes. Black, so shiny the lights in the ceiling ricochet back, making me blink. There's a low sort of growling sound, and as I look up, make eye contact, and my ovaries go into spasm. I start to double over, letting out a hissing exhale as Jamie shoots me a WTF look. Sorry, cramps, I whisper hiss and wonder how I'm going to get through the next four hours. The session is a fuzzy, smudgy blur. I keep crossing and recrossing my legs, squeezing my thighs together, salivating and making these little baby sparrow-like chirping sounds whenever he looks at me. Thank God Jamie covers my short parts of the program while I'm having my psychiatric event. I sit glued to my chair at the conference table, staring at the blank screen on my open laptop and praying that when I wake up from this daydream, I'll still be employed. Tor gives a few sharp answers when Jamie asks him things, but other than that, he says nothing. His eyes are on me the entire four hours of our program. By the end, I'm as exhausted as if I've run a marathon. My heart is racing, palms sweating, and my panties? Toast. Wet, soggy toast. Okay, well, Natalie. Jamie gives me a tight smile and a wave of his hand. Anything to add? Any questions for Mr. Saman? Somehow I manage to say the right words in the right order. Tor gives quick yes and no answers, interjects where he should, but every word turns me into a throbbing, needy mess. So, did I pass? He rumbles, his white shirt tight over his chest as I'm hypnotized by the way his Adam's apple moves under the dark scruff of his beard. His blood-red tie points directly at his crotch like a flashing sign. Right here. Look here. You know you wanna. Miss Fillmore will send the results to your HR department. Jamie chimes in impatiently when I don't answer. We are all set for today. He taps his phone. Thank you for coming in. Turned out way better than I expected. He turns to Jamie. I need a minute with Miss Fillmore, if you don't mind. Jamie shoots me a look closing his laptop. I'm sorry, that would not be appropriate. He hesitates at the dark look Tor is leveling at him, but continues. Miss Fillmore needs to remain neutral. Isn't that right, Natalie? They're both staring at me as I nod blankly. Jamie flashes me a get-it-together look. Gah, company policy, I'm afraid, I say finally. My fingertips are cold and my need to be away from him right now is making my pulse pound in my ears. Company policy, Tor repeats, twisting his head back and forth, cracking his neck. Right, Jamie interjects, then finishes. We both need to get to the airport, so. He leaves it hanging there as Tor gets to his feet. Don't want you to miss your flight. He aims his words right at me nods to Jamie, then spins and heads out the door as I lean on the table to keep from falling down. Two hours later, I'm racing to the security line at the airport to head to Sasha's wedding in Massachusetts. I drag my roller bag behind me. 
One wheel is loose so the handle wobbles and shakes against my palm. I can't stop thinking about him at all. But I'm determined to shake this off. A few days away will do me good. And then he'll be nothing more than inspiration for me in the shower with my hand held. The security line for Terminal C is just ahead, and I force my feet to move in that direction. I step in line behind two young guys with backpacks and the vague scent of reefer swirling around them. I slap down my passport for the TSA agent. Fortunately, even losing my wallet won't prevent me from making my flight and getting my head straight. A few more feet and I'm out of here, out of his life, out of, excuse me, miss, can I ask you to step out of the line, please? Sorry? I blink at him through the plexiglass barrier. The TSA agent frowns and I notice that he's not alone. There's a woman standing behind him and a little to his left, looking me up and down. I'm afraid I'm going to have to insist, he says, and my heart starts to flap around in my chest. What's this about? No answer. The TSA lady takes me by the bicep and we round a corner into a more private area. And standing there, looking all cocky and sexy and delish, is Tor. What the toffee fudge is he doing here? And grinning? Grinning. Excuse me. Tor's voice echoes on the cinder block walls as he comes through the doorway. I'm Mr. Saman. They both give him a knowing look and I'm more confused than ever. I do hope she didn't give you any trouble. Sometimes the ones that are non-compass mentis can be a real handful. The male agent nods patiently. We did wonder why she felt she needed a passport to fly to Massachusetts. Tor nods patiently in return and then lowers his voice. There's just no reasoning with them. Trust me. Wait just a stinking minute. What the hell is happening here? They all ignore me like I'm not even there. Infuriating. Tor pulls a folded stack of papers out from the inside pocket of his stupid sexy gray suit. Here are the conservatorship papers. If you need to see them in person, I emailed them over earlier when I sent her photo. He hands the papers to the agents who nod at each other, then look at the top sheet. Just glad we got to her before it was too late. Too late, I snap. Too late for what? Again, zero response. Not even a glance in my direction. I'll take it from here, Tor says, and they step back. He reaches for my arm to lead me away, but I snatch it back and wave my finger at him. Oh, no, you don't, Mr. Suspect. I'm getting on that plane. No, ma'am, you are not, says TSA lady. And if you insist, you'll be arrested. So I suggest you leave with your guardian now. Come along, Natalie. Be a good girl. Tor drapes his arm around my shoulders, leading me out of the room. I look up at him, with my teeth set. My guardian? He sniffs back a chuckle. I yank my eyes from his face and find myself looking down at his pants. Again. And I wonder if the agent's got an eyeful of the heat he's packing because he's the one that should be arrested for walking into an airport with a loaded weapon. Seven, Tor. What was that? Are you mental? She gives me a hard look as I grab her bag and roll it behind us. Couldn't let you leave. I have to be somewhere. If I'm not there by morning, it'll wreck my sister's wedding. 
She's stomping, and all I can think about is turning her bratty ass over my knee and swatting that bubble butt a few times. I pretend to be curious about where she was going and why, even though I know every last detail already. It pays to have a team of PIs on retainer. A wedding. Yes, a wedding, which you would have known if you'd bothered to check before pulling that stunt back there. And there's no more flights out tonight, and even if there were, I think I'm probably on a no-fly list, so thanks a bunch. Don't stress, sweet cheeks. I'll get you where you need to go. Her eyes snap wide, arms crossed, pushing up her cleavage. Fuck. The thought of getting those pert little nipples that are poking through her shirt into my mouth is about all I can concentrate on right now. I can rent a car myself, but it's an eight-hour drive. I'd have to drive all night, which, I guess, is what I'll have to do, isn't it? I nod a little, then lift my chin. How are you going to rent a car without your driver's license? She growls up at the flickering fluorescent lights. Damn it, how did you know? I pay attention to things that matter to me. I take a step into her, walking her backward up against one of the big concrete columns. I hold her gaze to hush her anger. Such a good girl. Then I put my finger to her lips, and she falls silent, though it could be silent fury from the look on her face. Do you trust me? I ask, taking my finger away. She coughs out a nervous laugh. I have a degree in psychology. You're meeting the criteria for several mental illnesses right now, so no, I do not trust you. She will soon enough. I have been insane from the moment I set eyes on you. I take a long inhale of her sweet scent, then finish. While I was sitting in that godforsaken anger management training, my PIs were busy collecting all the info on you. After you introduced yourself, I sent a text to my team. Easy. She blinks a few times. And I know all about the wedding. I know exactly how to get there. All you gotta do is trust me. She worries her bottom lip as she watches me. Go on. I might have bought an RV an hour ago. I might have hired a driver. I might have been planning to kidnap you. A little. The anger in her eyes softens. Just a fucking bit, and that's a start. So the little show you put on back there, a little kidnapping fake guardianship papers, sort of not super legal. All true, but as RVs go, it's pretty fucking sweet. She blinks a few times at me. And this was all because of last night? I sniff and adjust my balls. Yep, you and me, we're matches in gasoline, and if I can spend eight hours with you getting you where you need to go, be that Massachusetts or somewhere else... I give her a slow up-and-down stare, lingering on the valley between her legs for one beat, two, three. Then that's what I'm going to do. Her cheeks are deep red and her hazel eyes are glistening. That's happiness, and I fucking love the way that makes me feel. You're really such a cocky bastard. She inhales slowly, flaring her nostrils. If you can get me to my sister's wedding before she notices I'm late, maybe, maybe you'll win yourself some points with me. 
Fuck yeah. This is my kind of winning. Deal. This is the kind of camping I could get used to. She spins around, running her hands over the shining burlwood wall as I close and lock the partition that separates the driver from the back of the RV, which is more like a very fucking high-end mobile condo. When I hatched my plan, I thought I'd get a limo. Then I picked up the phone to charter a plane. But both of those have flaws. The limo was too impersonal, too cramped. The flight would be too fast. Not enough amenities for what I planned. So I got on the phone with a company I know tricks out custom RVs for musicians and high-end clients. I told him to give me the best one he had that I could buy sight unseen, deliver it with a driver to the airport, and there was no jacking around on price. It was worth the three hundred grand. It's perfect, and more perfect because she thinks so as well. The engine hums as I feel the massive machine pull forward, taking me toward my future. You hungry? Thirsty? I move to the little kitchen and open the refrigerator and show her the inside, which is stocked with everything from champagne to orange juice, soda, food, cheeses, fruit. No. She leans on the counter and I reach for her hand. I'm hungry. If you remember, my sister cock-blocked my dessert last night. She smiles as her eyes sparkle. That she did. I hope we can mend that fence. Already done. Now, come. I want to show you something. I shift her in front of me, hands on her shoulders, and walk her toward the back of the bus to the closed door. Open it. The door clicks open as she pushes, and her little gasp and the way her hands fly to her mouth, and she does this little skip-jump in place, is just what I was going for. You are crazy. I walk us forward, the room lit with low candles and glass holders, the scent of roses filling the air. The room is lined with vases and vases of white roses, a thousand, but that's not all. She walks to the vase sitting on a little dresser. All of them had to be siliconed in place to make sure they didn't fall over if we had to stop short, but I'm happy with what they were able to do in the time frame I gave them. What's with the one red rose? She turns, her finger touching the crimson petals. It's you. Everything else is white and plain and colorless, but you? You are red and bright and the rose I've been looking for my entire life. I'm feeling like the luckiest man on earth when I ease the zipper down on the back of her navy and white polka dot dress. I'm keeping you. I nuzzle against her neck, slipping her dress down her shoulders, letting it fall at her feet. Just so you know. So it's clear. I feel her lungs fill, and I know she's going to give me some sassy retort, but I cut her off at the pass with the trifecta of my teeth on the nape of her neck, one hand sliding down her belly and taking a handful of her pussy, while my other hand slips under her bra and tweaks her nipple between my thumb and forefinger. Oh, is all she manages before her body starts to tremble and I strum her clit, feeling the warm, juicy wetness I've not stopped thinking about since I touched her last night. I kiss her neck and grind my heart on against her ass. 
She strains, turning her head to look at me. I have a secret. What's that, baby? Last night? Yes. I ease her around so she's facing me, sitting her down on the edge of the bed and kneeling down in front of her. I've never... She worries her lip and pops her lips together, and my balls feel like they're filled with lead. I have this thing, like a wand, right? A toy. I manage, already, realizing the jealous rage at an inanimate object is not healthy, but that doesn't seem to matter. She shrugs a shoulder as I unclasp her bra and slip it down her arms. I've tried to, you know, get there, but all I could ever do was sort of get almost to that point. She raises her voice, pointing a finger upward. Then nothing. But I did. Last night. With you. Pride swells in my chest like a misogynist asshole, but I don't care. Your first orgasm was with me. I want all your firsts from now on, baby. And your next one is going to be on my face, in my mouth. She wiggles her hips as I tug down her little panties. Yes, but I mean, what about... She tightens her lips and points to my crotch. That looks like it needs some attention, too. I'm going to show you how you will be treated from now on, baby. How I'm going to take care of you. She reaches out and runs her hand over the front of my pants, and I wince, biting back the orgasm from just the brush of her fingers. Be a good girl. I ease her back, bending her legs and shoving them wide. Remember, even when I'm rough, even when I say filthy things. I pause, the words almost slipping out, surprising myself. I don't want to scare her, so I adjust course. Just remember, giving you what you need might not always be what you want. I see her bite her bottom lip as she lays naked in front of me. So fucking perfect, baby, I choke out the words catching in my throat as I dive in, pushing my face between her thighs, mouth open, wanting all of her at once. I drive my tongue into that tight cherry opening, swirling it around her little barrier and hoping when I claim her with my cock she won't hate me for how much it's going to hurt. I kiss, lick, suck, and drink in her sweet nectar until it's dripping from my chin and she's tensing up. I lick up and down slowly, then get laser-fucking-focused on her hard little button. The way she raises her hips and starts pulling my hair, I think I'm getting ready to hit the bullseye. Her flavor is more than I can handle. I see white spots. A beast-like growl vibrates through me as I swallow down her sweet honey and suck hard on her little nub. She shoots off and bucks like a rodeo horse against me, but she's no match for my grip. I tug her against my mouth, sucking and slurping as I ride out her orgasm, her wet heat drenching my face, but I'm not done. Her next orgasm is just as strong as I pump my tongue in and out of her opening, the pad of my thumb working her clit, and I nearly go off with her as she calls my name. As she pants and comes down, I brace myself over her, kissing her and sharing her sweet, salty flavor with her as her body twitches and writhes under me. 
Now, I say as I pull back, her eyes unfocused, her hands on my shoulders. You're a virgin, baby, but tell me, are you on anything that's going to keep me from breeding you? Breeding? She repeats, her cheeks bright red as she tries to process my question. Yes, baby, breed, come, semen, eggs, ovaries, baby making 101. I'm going to unload right up against your cervix, and I'm going to keep doing it until I take root. So I need to know, you got anything going on that's going to fuck up my program? Her mouth is wide, eyes on mine, holding her breath. She shakes her head, almost imperceptible, but that's all I need. Good girl, because I'm coming for you. Eight. Natalie. Everything is surrounded by this sort of white light. Tor strips as I lay there, the RV vibrating as we drive, and the urge to run overtakes me. When things feel like this, so good, too good, my nature just tells me to bail. Get out, but where would I go? I'm still buzzing from the three orgasms this massive bossy man just gave me, and I decide to just roll with this. I know how I feel. It's nothing I've come close to before, and who says there's no love at first sight? I mean, relationships that are practically perfectly curated go tits up all the time. So why can't one that took off like a rocket have just as good a chance as any? His body is magnificent. Imperfect. Thick and hard, but so sexy my eyes flutter shut for a moment before landing on the length of hard dick staring me down. That's, I swallow, that's going to do some damage. I primed you best I could, baby. One moment of pain for a lifetime of pleasure. Your pussy will only know my cock. It will mold to me, be my cum vessel every day. When I start to drip out of you, I'm going to shove it all back in. Cork you with my dick 24-7 if necessary. The thought of my cum inside you makes me want to lose my fucking mind. He grits his teeth so hard I hear them crack. Then come on, big fella. You all talk? His nostrils flare as he blankets me with his huge body, knocking my legs apart as I feel the brush of his seeping cock against my opening. I can't believe I just said that and how calm I am for my first time with a man I met last night. But none of that seems to have any bearing on this moment. He reaches for my chin, holding my face, his eyes boring into mine. Just so you know, I've not touched a woman in years, enough that I lost count. I wanted you to know that. I reach down and guide him forward in response. I'm not sure how you're going to get all that inside me, but I'm down for trying. Good girl, because there's no stopping this now. His fingers slip under my shoulders, his mouth on my nipple as he sucks as I spread wide and hold my breath as the first pressure nudges against me. Fuck. He releases my breast, so fucking tight. I'm already holding back. I get inside you and I'm going to blow, baby. He eases forward as I hold his face in my hands. I wince and gasp as he shoves the first thick inches inside me, the vein in his forehead looking like it's going to pop. 
I'm going to come so hard. I might blow you right out that back wall. I tighten down as he slides in, the hiss of sharp pain exploding outward. So tight. This pussy is made to milk my cum, isn't it? That's what you were built for, baby. Milking my baby-making cream. He buries himself inside me and I wrap my arms around his neck, holding on for dear life. He rocks into me, hissing and cursing as he throws his head back and his face is tensed in pain. His thrusts become more demanding, faster as the pain fades and lusty bliss takes over. He's destroying me. Harder, harder, harder as he swears and apologizes but doesn't stop. My body is his toy and tears start to seep from the corners of my eyes. Come with me, baby. Fuck, I'm so close, but I want to feel that sweet cherry tell me what it wants. That pretty little pussy wants to suck the cum from my balls. His dirty tuck is my kryptonite, and I start to spasm around him. I swear I feel him deep in my belly, then the first hot ropes of his cum release inside of me. Pump, pump, pump. He shoots and groans as I call his name, and my own climax takes me into the burst of white light, and he bucks forward, burying himself in the deepest part of me, grinding against me as I feel his cock jerk and empty, hot cream already seeping out as I pant and go limp under him. Tor. I lay there with her in my arms, pressing my nose to her hair. She smells like peaches, and I think to myself, this is it. This is heaven. We went three rounds before she nearly passed out. I held her legs up in the air as she came around. Every time some of my cum started to seep from her tight little opening, I shoved it back inside then slapped my hand down, holding it in. All my life, I've resisted commitment. All my life, I've avoided the idea of getting married. I've even avoided weddings because all I could ever think was, this whole fucking idea is doomed. But now, here with her in my arms and this crazy fucking white-hot fire in my belly and heart, it's the most natural thing in the world. I'm going to say something fucking crazy. You ready? She turns in my arms a little, looking up at me, long lashes dusting her cheeks as she blinks. Yeah. I love you. She laughs a little. Tor. I mean it, baby. Seeing you for the first time split me in two, and having you is the only thing that's going to keep me together. She looks up at the RV's ceiling. She takes a deep breath and runs her fingers over my chest, light and sweet. All right, my turn to say something crazy. Fuck. Fucking fuck. Hit me. I love you, too. Christ. My eyes blur with the emotion of it. I can't even bring myself to look at her because I know I'm going to start to cry for real. There's something else that needs to be said because love is just words unless there's action. I see your crazy thing and I raise you. All right, I'm ready. I think we should get married. 
She snorts out a laugh. God, what a beautiful sound her happiness is. What's that? I think we should fucking get married, because there is no universe in which you aren't mine. And there is no version of this life in which I don't spend every fucking morning and night just like this, with you in my arms, where you belong. Nine. Tor. Three years later. I sit back and watch as she takes her third bite of the panna cotta, holding our youngest, Megan, on my knee, bouncing her up and down as she squeals and watches her mother eat. So good. It's a five, for sure. Natalie scribbles some notes on her ever-present notepad. As I listen to Sophia at the table next to us, explaining to our oldest, Chase, what a food blog is. We don't usually take the kids with us when she tries out a new restaurant, but this day is special. It's my sister's newest venture, a family-friendly five-star restaurant set up for foodie parents to indulge while children are catered to with walls lined with fish tanks and food served for little fingers. There's a face-painting artist in the youth playroom, and staff there to observe and keep kids occupied when they get restless. It's a great concept, and I'm her partner and investor. My grandmother and mother are here, cooing and spoiling our middle child, Tabitha, over by a tank filled with colorful saltwater fish. I'm still with the firm, although I take only a handful of cases a year now. I've lost some of my passion for it, only because seeing the destruction of marriages carries some measure of sadness for me now. I'm so fucking happy, it's hard to believe so many other people aren't. Natalie is the best mom. Her foodie body has softened, and I love every curve and contour her career and our children have added. I kiss her little belly stripes every day, thanking her and her body for all they've given us. We're both still hot for each other, and as soon as Chase is eight months, it's baby batter time again because I want a house full. Speaking of houses, I gave up my penthouse downtown for a nice spread where we have room to breathe about thirty miles out of the city. It was a run-down old Greek-Italian revival mess when we bought it sight unseen from the internet listing. Just like us, we knew the second we saw it, it was meant to be. And, just like us, we took the time to get to know the place, then turned it into the home we wanted, just like we turned our relationship into what was perfect and works for us. There are seven bedrooms there, and I have no reason to believe we won't fill them all up in the next few years. I'm hoping for twins, and I still stuff my cum back up into her sweet, tight pussy when it's breeding season for us. Natalie still thinks I'm borderline nuts, but all I know is I'm nuts for her. Her sister Sasha, husband Nash, and her father are due to be here in about an hour, and we're all heading to our lake house for a week, and I'm all about family, so they are welcome any time. Cyrus found his one and only a couple years ago, and they are working on their own growing brood. My sister hasn't found a guy that can handle her yet, but I can see her look at us. She's softening, and when the time is right, 
Some guy with enough backbone and probably a solid paddle for her ass will come along, and she'll find her happy ending as well. Not that I want anything to end. In fact, on the anniversary of the worst blind date of my life, I send my grandmother three dozen white roses with one red one as a thank you for putting me in the right place at the right time. I love my wife. I love my life. And I gotta say, she's managed to tame the angry beast inside of me. But if it weren't for a few HR complaints, who knows where I'd be. Thank God I ended up here. This has been Two Wrongs by Danny Wyatt, read for you by James Anderson Foster and Kelsey Navarro. Welcome back. Hey. So thank you so much, Danny Wyatt, for bringing us Two Wrongs this week. We have loved it. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. And like I said, enter this week's giveaway. She's doing a $50 Amazon gift cards and go on her website and sign up for her newsletter for all the free stuff. Next week, we've got, oh my gosh, is that the, let's see. Anyway, we have Carla Doyle with Last Call Casanova. And I'm excited because this will be my first Carla Doyle book, but she was so sweet and she's been so great to work with. So I'm super excited to like hear her book narrated. So yeah. All right. I think that's everything. <laughs> All right. Tell them what to do. Fuck your day up. Make today your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye, guys. Bye. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. You could take a look in a book that's fine. Or you could sit back, relax.